Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. From a big investment company in the States to a little recording studio in Auckland, welcome to Glenn Borum from Vanguard, who's here to share some wisdom from his 30 years working for one of the world's largest asset managers. We'll be chatting with Glenn about stewardship and advocating for good governance and how Vanguard goes into bat for our customers by engaging with companies and exercising our voting rights as shareholders. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. So uh, it's lovely to be in the booth again, and we're joined by Glenn from Vanguard. Welcome, Glenn. Thank First you. time in the booth. Uh, great to be here. First time in New Zealand. First time in New Zealand. Well, we'll come back to that. And we've got John Smith here as well. So, John, this is probably your third time, I third think. Third time now, Third yeah. time. So you're a bit of a, a seasoned practitioner now. I am a bit now, yeah, no, not quite as nervous as I was the first time. <laughs> okay, so Glenn, maybe um, it's awesome to have you here from uh, from the States, and uh, I sort of th- would love to think you came here specially uh, for the podcast, but I know that's not quite true. But maybe just tell us a little bit about Glenn and uh, uh, yourself and what you do at Vanguard. Sure. So um, I've been at Vanguard now for 30 years, so a little more than 30 years now, joined right out of right out of college and you know moved through a, a number of roles at Vanguard. I mean, today serve as the fund's uh, investment stewardship officer, and we'll talk about what that means in 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 broader broader terms. But have been in that role in in parts for the last almost twenty years. So have a, a wide range of experience. You know, it's been amazing to see how the stewardship landscape has evolved over that time, uh, and it's in a great place. I think it's it's got great great places to go. But it's a really important role uh, as as we think about our role to take a stand for all investors, treat them fairly, and give them the best chance for investment success. It's so core to what we do, and investment stewardship is so closely aligned with that. Great. And you've been, uh, you're based in the head office in Vanguard? Yeah, head, off- head office of Vanguard outside Philadelphia on the east coast of the U.S. Wow. Yeah, Joel and I were there, what, two? Uh, two and a half years ago, yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. We, um, we got the train. Got the tr- yeah, the train train from Grand Central Station That's in right. New York down to Philadelphia. Yeah, well, awesome, awesome um, train station, that one. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, really beautiful. amazing. Yeah, there was that famous um, Harrison Ford movie, I think, Witness. Witness was, yep. I think, they filmed a bit of the yep. bit of it there, and uh, yeah. sort of Pennsylvania and all around, all yeah. around there. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I it? saw Witness on my first date with my wife. Really? <laughs> yep. Wow! Wow! <laughs> that's that's, that's awesome. But that's when we great. arrived in Philadelphia, we walked out, and I think it was it was it was pouring with rain, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, the, I went up to the taxi and said, oh, here, we're going to Vanguard in Malvern, I think it is, Malvern? Yep, Malvern. Yep. Malvern, and the taxi driver goes, I've never heard of it. <laughs> and we go, well, they're the largest, well, they're the, one of the largest fund managers in the world. I've never heard of them. <laughs> and so I got, I got my phone out and put Vanguard head off his Google Maps, and he followed Google Maps on my phone to take us to this enormous Absolutely building. Like enormous. It's like a campus, isn't it? Yeah, we've got a, a, a beautiful college campus type setting out in the out in the suburbs it's a great environment wow and how, and how many people would work there for in the head office so uh, we've got 18,000 people globally um, in Pennsylvania probably about 12,000 of those on campus and in in the general vicinity wow wow okay and so John so maybe maybe this a good starting point would be to maybe talk a little bit about ASB's relationship with Vanguard and what sure. they what they do for us on a yeah, larger sure. scale sure so um, ASB's had a, a, a 
relationship with Vanguard for well over a decade, um, the and and it's been through a couple of iterations. But the current iteration uh, of our relationship with uh, Vanguard is that Vanguard manages our Australasian equity uh, index portfolio. It's about three and a half billion dollars. It's a significant portion of the assets that. Uh, that we have, and uh, it's a really, really important role. Vanguard's one of the managers that we use, and we use a number of managers, uh, each of them experts in the field, as Vanguard is, and uh, we really enjoy uh, the sort of insights that we get from Vanguard and the other managers uh, that we use. Um, you know, they're all, uh, as Vanguard is, just really large um, global players who have uh, huge amounts of insights and value that they can add to us outside of simply the, the managing of the portfolios. Yeah, and I think one of the great things about Vanguard as well is it's like the keys to the castle, isn't it? That yeah. you can actually, there's other things that we can, not just about managing the money, yeah. other things that we can learn and work together on. Well, we're, we're, we're going to be going away on another uh, a research trip again, and we'll be going to see Vanguard and, and getting uh, their latest insights into some of the, the problems we're trying to solve for at the moment to try and get better outcomes for our customers. So it's it's great to have partners like Vanguard and and, uh, um, and to be able to draw, draw upon the, the skills and expertise that they have yeah. in, in areas like, like stewardship. We, we certainly couldn't put the sort of resources that Vanguard puts into this sort of area into it ourselves, but by by partnering with with large organization like Vanguard that we can we can get these sorts of outcomes, the stewardship outcome from them. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's a, probably a great segue to maybe s- start talking about stewardship. So maybe let's start really high level. So how, how would you describe stewardship and uh, in, in a few sort of sentences? Yeah, and investment stewardship for us is the, the way in which we can serve as the voice for investors to promote good governance that creates long-term shareholder value. At the end of the day, the reason... You know, the reason we're in this business is to create long-term value for our 30 million clients around the globe. And uh, advocating for good governance that translates into longer-term value for those at those portfolio companies is, is a core component of that. And that, is this like a, something new, or has stewardship been around for, for a while? Stewardship's been around for a while, but has certainly evolved over an extended period of time. I've spent about the last 20 of my 30 years at Vanguard involved in, in one form or another in our, our governance and stewardship activities, which started out earlier very much focused on proxy voting. So voting at the annual shareholder meetings of thousands of companies around the globe. And as that broader governance ecosystem has evolved, there's much more attention to engagement, one-on-one dialogue with portfolio companies that in our, our position as an index fund manager, we're going to own forever. So we certainly have votes at every shareholder meeting, but we also have the opportunity to engage in dialogue with those companies over an extended period of time to go deep into the weeds on issues, advocate for those things which we believe will add longer-term value for those end investors and continue that discussion over time. It's a really interesting point, the index point, because there's there's often this this challenge that we hear about index managers sort of like lazy, don't really care, aren't really engaged with, you know, it's really passive. just a lazy, very passive, yeah. passive is the word, right? Passive, we don't do much, right? But but uh, the, your point you made is that we're long-term shareholders in these companies and we're not passive at all through the stewardship approach. We're not passive at all. We're actually very active in terms of the way we're engaging and influencing these companies as we should be because we're a long-term shareholder. Yeah, passive investors are by no means passive owners. Yeah. Um, and the work the work we do on the stewardship front is, is, is really evidence of that. Yeah, and there's a correlation between 
good governance and good financial outcomes? Is that absolutely that? That's the core belief on which all of our stewardship work is based. Yeah, we believe that well-governed companies will perform better over the long term. Um, there's not a thing we can do on the stewardship front to help our index fund managers track the index any better. Yeah, um, but. If by promoting better governance across the board, we can move that distribution of performance just a little bit to the right, when you extrapolate that that incremental gain across trillions of dollars, that translates into real real money in real people's pockets over time. It's sort of common sense, though, isn't it? Like a well-run, well-governed, uh, forward-thinking business is going to actually make more money and then at the end of the day, it's going to help customers grow their money to what they want to achieve. Well, there's, there's good examples that I'm sure many of our customers listening to this might be able to think about in the New Zealand environment. Just some of our biggest com- companies more recently have have challenges with governance which have led to significant losses of value. Absolutely. And, and it's very easy to see that connection. Exactly, exactly. Now, so tell us a little bit about, so you run the stewardess team. How big is that team and what sort of, uh, are you globally based or how, how does that work? Today, the team stands north of 30 crew, you know, yep. based on our nautical heritage. We talk, talk about our employees as We might crew. need to mention that. So people aren't called staff, they're called crew. crew. Okay. Our crew uh, members. Crew and members. the name Vanguard, right, is is, is after, is it? Nel- uh, uh, one of Lord Nelson's, Nelson's uh, flagship, okay. wasn't it? Yep, cool. yep. Yeah. his flagship. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So we've about. Th- so you the captain or? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we have thirty plus crew. Yeah. Uh, today globally located primarily in our in our headquarters outside Philadelphia, but we do have do have a team of five based in London covering the, covering our funds European portfolio companies. But across the board, you know, our team, wherever they're located, has a global focus. Um, we want to make sure we're evaluating and voting and engaging with co- those companies across across the globe, 13,000 companies in every just about every market around the globe, um, focused on a range of different activities. Uh, the first of those very central to the voting and engagement work we do, analyzing underlying issues, understanding companies' disclosure, other research to inform our perspective so that we can vote and engage on an informed basis. We also have a, 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 a part of our team that's focused on research and communications uh, to be able to articulate those things that we're doing and why we're doing them to our clients. So our annual stewardship report and other periodic commentary helps to contextualize the work we're doing and put it in the context and show how it's evolving over time. And then finally, we have a, a data and operations team that helps us source and analyze this huge volume of data on these 13,000 companies to better inform our decision-making, track our engagements over time so that we can we can monitor progress and assess, assess impact over okay. time. And when you say engagement, what do you actually mean by that? Are you, are you not just voting at annual meetings, actually there's... Further engagement with boards and and organizations. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's really three channels through which we work. The voting, the voting at those thirteen thousand companies on an annual basis is probably the most visible, um, and that's that's really where where we started. You know, my my earlier days in this role, we had a couple people tucked into the corner of our fund accounting department, following our proxy voting guidelines. Very very deliberate and analytical work. Um, over time, as I said, we've evolved to this team of thirty. Voting is still important. 
Um, yeah. it's, it's a very important channel for us to express our perspective to companies. However, over time, a big chunk of that work that has evolved into engagement or dialogue on a one-to-one basis with portfolio companies, which enables us to go deep into the weeds on issues that are important. It enables us to have that discussion in shades of gray, um, whereas you know, by the time something goes to a a vote at a shareholder meeting, on the ballot we have this binary black and white choice between for and against, where through the engagement process and the dialogue we're able to have with both management and the board, we can have that uh, discussion at shades of gray and and develop our understanding, articulate our perspectives, but also understand the board's perspective and the company's perspective, all with the intent of moving that governance process in the right direction over time. So I understand that that, that in many ways you, you treat the 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 vote as it's a bit of a blunt instrument and almost a last resort to vote against a company on a particular matter. What the ideal perspective would be would be to be engaging with the company on a particular issue and to have the company um, in a positive engagement shift their policies in that direction. And, and if they're doing that, then you you know you you, you supportive of the of the company's management. But if you're not getting that positive engagement, then potentially the vote is essentially the the final the final way you can influence them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's an important distinction in in two respects. One is, to your point, starting with engagement enables us to go go deeper into the issue before we resort to opposition to management or support for a shareholder proposition. But it also puts a broader range, enables us to put a broader range of issues on the table. We're not constrained to just what happens to be on the ballot at a particular point in time, but we can look across the spectrum of all of the areas that we we focus on through – all of our advocacy engagement and voting activities and target those where there's there's a gap or an opportunity for improvement. Mm. Mm. And, what, and how welcoming are companies that say, Glenn phones up from Vanguard, hi, can I come? Are they open, open to the conversation or is that a challenge even to start the conversation? Yeah, no, today companies are increasingly um, accessible and responsive to engagement. It's There's been an evolution yeah. over time, um, but more and more as we reach out, um, boards are expecting our call. You know, part of that I think is driven by our and other investors' communication of our perspectives on governance to the market. So, um, you know, it's important, we believe, for companies to understand where they may be outliers from the expectations of their investors and whether that's outliers from an underperformance standpoint um, or outliers from a governance expectation standpoint. And many, many more are open to to that discussion over time so that we can have that that dialogue and move things in in sharehold in the direction of shareholders' interests. And what do you what do you think has driven the change of being sort of a bit sort of skeptical and to now being much more open about the engagement process? I think there have been a lot of things. The the, the first has been it's um, it's no longer new. Yeah. You know, I think you know engagement in the earlier days was the exception rather than the rule. Um, and a lot of engagement in those earlier days 
came as the follow-up to votes against management because there wasn't necessarily an open channel or an open dialogue. But now I think as more and more companies have seen the positive impact of engagement um, to either themselves or to other companies, um, they're more receptive. And, and it's, it's become the expectation. The accessibility um, and our, our ability to engage in that dialogue is, is a fundamental expectation. I think that there's another shift that, that's going on there, and that is that to, to the, the realization of the boards, perhaps that it's not just financial performance that the that the investors are now interested in. Uh, that the financial outcomes are important, but 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 investors are interested in other things as well. Yeah. And you know, the particularly um, social and environmental matters are really coming to be really really quite important to to. Uh, those those uh, those investors and that reputation of companies is quite important as well. So, um, is is that part of what's what's happening as well? Well, I, I think I think that is a, a piece of it. From from our perspective, the you know the reason those things are relevant is because over an extended period of time, things that might otherwise be considered under the environmental or social umbrella do have an impact on long term performance. You know, over the long term, you know, we believe that the interests of multiple stakeholders will converge with the interests of shareholders. And so it's it's not an either or, it's an and in terms of, you know, what the range of issues we think about. But it all comes back from our perspective as we think about ESG. For us, ESG begins with G. Yeah. Right? It's the, the yeah. board's role in governing the environmental and social risks that they may face, um, being responsive to um, – feedback they get from the market and the impact that that has on their value over time as their strategy and the expectations of the market evolve. Because it is an evolutionary process here, whether it's the evolution of company strategy, the evolution of the shareholder base, um, the expectations on the governance front evolving in a consistent direction over time, all of those things ultimately converge over the long term in our view with additive value to end investors. Yeah. Now, well, ASB have moved to, um, you know, we've been around 172 years, uh, very sort of community heritage focus, customer focus, but have moved uh, to more of a purpose. What's ASB's purpose? Um, which is sort of quite new to, to us uh, here at ASB, which is, a, a, I think, the right way of been thinking about, now what are we actually here to do? Have you seen that in globally companies start to really think about actually Yes, there's about the shareholder, but what is the why is this organization here and actually what are we trying to deliver for the longer term? Is that like a theme you've seen over the last few years? Yeah, I, I think it's and, – and it it shows up in a couple of different ways. One is this shift from shorter term to longer term focus um, and companies doing a better job or being asked to do a better job to tell their long term story. Help us understand, help all of your investors and stakeholders understand how you will create value that is sustainable over the long term. You know, especially for us on the index side, who will be practically permanent owners before, you know, longer than any of us are in our current roles. Um, so linking, linking that long-term strategy to the value creation story. Um, but at the same time, you know, on the corporate purpose side, you see groups like the Business Roundtable in the U.S. just in the last last couple of months um, articulating the uh, their view, and this is a group of CEOs in in the U.S. Uh, articulating their view that 
company's purpose should include the interests of not just stockholders, but other stakeholders. Um, and I think, you know, that's very much aligned with our perspective that over the long term, yep. which is what we believe matters, the interests of all of those stakeholders will will converge. And, you know, I, I said it before, but it's not a, you know, it's not an either or, it's an and. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, each of us have a stake in uh, the long-term outcome and aligning them both through a strategy and a sense of purpose is is a fundamental part. Fantastic. And so what are some of the themes that you're talking to boards about at the moment? There's a lot of focus at ASB around diversity and inclusion and stuff. Is yep. what, what sort of things are you talking to, to boards about? Yeah, so at, at the highest level, there are four basic pillars of our governance approach or of our, of our stewardship approach. And that focuses on the, the composition of the board of directors. And among our four pillars, that's really a first among equals. Yep. If, if we or... or in, in most instances, if the board gets itself right from a composition standpoint, other things are far more likely to fall into place. And, 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 so, and, and certainly, what, no guarantees. So, what would a what would a good composition look like? Sure. So, from a board composition standpoint, we're looking for a collection of capabilities and a diverse set of perspectives that are aligned with the company's long term strategy, um, experience background, diversity on multiple dimensions, gender, age, race, ethnicity, national origin, all with the objective of informing the board's perspective from multiple directions. Because we know that uh, both through experience and research that diverse groups make better decisions. So diversity for us is not a social issue. It's a governance issue. Um, and has that direct linkage to to long-term value creation. And that's been one of the areas, diversity in the boardroom has been one of the areas that we've spent a lot of time focusing on over the last couple of years. First on the gender front, and there's there's been a global focus on gender diversity in the boardroom that's actually driven progress. Um, in our most recent investment stewardship report this year, we've tried to broaden that perspective to be more holistic, include multiple dimensions beyond beyond gender, and ask companies to uh, provide more disclosure about their approach to diversity in the boardroom, the outcomes, their um, their succession management process, how they source diverse candidates from a broader pool, and ultimately making progress over time. So that's been, you know, a core area of focus in that in that most important pillar. The three other, real quickly, the three other um, pillars we focus on. The first are shareholder rights, ensuring that we and other shareholders have an appropriate ability to affect change over time. It really serves as a safety valve for us to be able to intervene. As an example on that one, just give us an example of where of, of types of structures where that doesn't quite work. I mean, the one, one springs to mind, which is somebody like Facebook, who's got a, has got a shareholder structure, which is not ideal. Yeah, so, um, you know, equal voting rights for shareholders is one core, um, core component of that. So ultimately, you know, we believe companies should get to a one share, one vote environment. We know that um, we're on a journey on that, that front, but ultimately having a linkage between economic value and voting influence is an important piece. Um, annual election of directors, which isn't which, which isn't a uh, global norm on a market by market basis, but it is a channel through which we believe shareholders can hold the appropriate board members accountable on an annual basis. Not that we expect to spill an entire board just because we have uh, annual voting rights. 
but having that having that form of accountability are a couple of the couple of things on the governance front. The other uh, one of the other pillars is. Uh, executive compensation or remuneration and its linkage to long-term value creation. So making sure there's an alignment between remuneration and relative performance versus peers in the market, right? We want the, the best performing companies to be those that are most highly compensated and the worst performing companies not to be. So having that directional alignment over time, we believe sets the right incentives for for senior leadership. And then the final pillar there is the board's role in overseeing risk and strategy. So both working with with management to set the company strategy, hold management accountable for execution against that strategy over the long term, but very importantly to understand, oversee, and disclose the material risks that that strategy either faces or creates um, in the market. So focusing on disclosure and oversight there. So A, we understand the board's role uh, in overseeing this material risk that has an impact on shareholder value and then disclosing that risk so the market can be the judge in terms of the impact on value. From an index fund perspective, we're essentially price takers. We're in the market when we need to be based on client cash flow. So it's important to us that the market sets the right price all the time and that's that's linked very closely back to ensuring that all of those risks and opportunities are disclosed. Obviously, with your accent, you're from America, yeah, and you're here in beautiful New Zealand. And um, I think you were in Australia before you came here, just for a stop of it. Um, and so, but obviously, the stewardship extends into Australia, Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. You're you having much engagement with sort of. Uh, organizations in Australia and New Zealand. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, o- over the years, we, you know, our objective is to engage with our portfolio companies and other market participants across the globe. Um, and that's increasingly extended beyond beyond the U.S. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've recently, you know, established a team in London. Again, that certainly doesn't cover Australia and yeah. New Zealand, yeah. but um, it gives us broader access to our global portfolio. And as part of our um portfolio of engagements over time and on the radar, significant coverage um, over time in both Australia and New Zealand. Um, you know, they're, they're important parts of the portfolio of companies in which, in which we invest in making sure that we're connected to um, the, the most important issues and the, most, the companies with the most significant impact on our, on our portfolios is really important. And I suppose John knows this better than me because he's from New Zealand, but New Zealand have a, a rich heritage of leading the way uh, in, certain, in like strong themes around uh, diversity, women's votes, you know, oh. nuclear power, all those types of things. You, know? like uh, you could learn probably a lot from New Zealand oh, in the stewardship field, I would have thought. Oh, we were the first to give the vote to a woman. Yeah. And then, you know, the stand we took on uh, on nuclear weapons and things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. New Zealand's has often been leading, and, and of course our Prime Minister's leading uh, in many areas at the moment. Uh, and you think about the the, the awful Christchurch uh, shootings yes. and the way that the industry reacted to that. Well, it's, it's a good uh, example of stewardship, yeah, I suppose. It's a fantastic example of, of engagement. Uh, the, 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 uh, for some reason, the Christchurch shootings re- resounded around the world in, in ways that many of the mass shootings in the United States never did. Uh, and and certainly off the back of that, um, we've got um, a massive engagement exercise that's going on 
uh, at the moment, uh, which is led by the New Zealand Super Fund, I think every New Zealand fund manager, us included, is involved in that. And actually a, a large large number of uh, global fund managers have joined in on that. I think uh, the last time I, I, I read the the communication, there was nearly 13 trillion New Zealand dollars at least of funds under management that was um, supporting that engagement, which is directly with, with Facebook and the other social media companies uh, and uh, in relation to the to the things that they did and the failings that they had in relation to that that shooting uh, that shooting event and and that's that's a very very specific example of engagement uh, and uh, you know I think it's, they're making a difference you know you, you know if, if if companies around the world are seeing that happening and the fact that that can happen. And, you know, with Facebook, then, you know, they'll pay a lot more attention to yeah. the engagements they have with Vanguard because they know that potential's there um, anywhere. I think it's a really strong message, though, about engagement because the alternative is sell the share, don't have a say, don't engage, just go, oh, someone else will sort it out, and it's not it's not a worry, which actually a very, it's a very blinkered view, yeah. isn't it? And actually well, being able to actually say and be part of changing something is a, is a much more positive way of approaching it. Well, certainly div- divestment is a, is a blunt instrument, yeah. and it, it's not it's not a tool in our box from an index fund yeah, exactly. perspective. Yeah. Um, and as we think about uh, divestment as, as a channel, um, you know, one – it's it's generally not an option for us if if we want to track the indexes yeah. that our that our clients have asked us to track. Um, but if you think about it, by divesting from a stock, you're almost by definition putting it in the hands of someone who cares less about the underlying issue than you do. Yeah. You're giving up your voice at the table on on the issue, and you're really having very little impact on the company. Right? It's not the company that has to buy your shares back. You're selling them in the secondary market. So, you know, on on a number of on a number of dimensions, this 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 idea of divestment as a solution um, to to some problems, I, I think, is is overstated. And I think having that continuing voice at the table, um, whether it's in the case of governance failings or you know. Um, Compensation, remuneration issues, broader governance issues, diversity in the boardroom issues, having that channel of, of direct engagement with the company to articulate um, a, a very uh, defined perspective um, on the issue. Again, not, not, not the blunt instrument of either only voting or ultimately divesting, but having a dialogue. And especially for us, we have, you know, we have a recurring vote. At every shareholder meeting, we have a recurring opportunity to engage in that dialogue with companies over time, set our expectations, expect them to hear the expectations of their other investors. A very important part of our perspective is we are but one voice at, at the table, and we expect companies to listen to us and their other their other investors and stakeholders and make a decision. But then help us understand how how they're implementing whatever change they're implementing. Exactly. So it's that perspective and context over time that's a really important part, at least for us, from the engagement process. Well, might just touch on one subject before we, we wrap up. We, ASB have recently launched uh, the Positive Impact Fund, which is in uh, partnership with Vanguard, uh, which has been which is awesome. Which, But I suppose... Um, and we're seeing more and more customers get much more interested in that type of investing and making a positive social or environmental impact. Climate risk is that something that uh, your team are talking to boards around the world with? It must be a, must be one of the top topics, isn't it? Absolutely. In that in that 
pillar that I described earlier of oversight of risk and strategy, engaging with companies on climate risk and climate risk disclosure is one of the key, key areas of focus right now and over the last couple of years. Over the last year alone, actually each of the last two years, we've engaged with more than 200 companies in each year on their disclosure of uh, the impact of climate risk on wow. on their long term on their long term performance. Good. So, you know, a core topic in uh, in that oversight of risk and strategy lane for us. And it's very topical today because I think lots of uh, school children aren't at school oh, today. Yes. They're out on they're on strike and stuff. Yes. And, and at the same time, the Green Party have come out with this. I think it was a really good idea of getting yeah. potentially sixteen-year-olds to to vote in New Zealand. Yeah, so Greta Thunberg gives her speech at the at the um, the United Nations, and and she's what sixteen, and so now we want sixteen-year-olds to vote in New Zealand, and we've got all of us school children on the on on the road, um, all about uh, climate change, yeah. and actually a lot of adults and a number of number of companies have shut down to support that as well. So it's it's a really interesting and very very big social theme yeah. and a, and a real theme. Just to say a really massive. Thank you, Glenn. I, I wore my special US T-shirt uh, for the for the event, but I know you had been in New Zealand for less than twenty four hours, and you're heading home to uh, tonight. So safe travels. Thank uh, you very much. Back to back to the good old US of A. And uh, uh, next time, please come and spend a little bit longer with us. We really we really welcome you back. Thank you very much, Glenn, and thanks, of course, John, for you Thank back you. in the booth. Thanks yeah, very much. Indeed. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz. 